Hi, I'm Pastor Brad Inman, and you're listening to the Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope this sermon can guide you along that journey. Visit orangemethodist.org to find out more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. Chapter 1, verses 9 through 15. It reads, In those days Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness forty days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beast, and the angels waited on him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Savannah. I'm Adam Seat. I'm the lead pastor here at Orange United Methodist Church, where we truly are a place that helps people find their place in God's story. Thank you for finding your way with us today as we have an opportunity to worship together. Let us pray. Lord, as we begin this first Sunday in the season of Lent, prepare our hearts, prepare our minds. As we are in the season of reflection, in the season of recognizing our need for a Savior, speak to us. Speak to us in new and fresh ways so that we might hear what you would say to us today. Speak, Lord, for we are listening. By the power of your Holy Spirit, would you transform the words that proceed from my mouth, and as they fall upon our ears and penetrate our hearts, may they be changed into the word of God that we need to hear today as individuals and collectively as one body. Lord, we pray this in the name of Jesus, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, and all of God's people said, Amen. I am... So glad that you're worshiping with us today, as this is that first Sunday in the season of Lent. And so, as we are beginning in this time, this season of reflection and repentance, I think that today we're really going to be able to have a chance to to think about those things that are so crucial for us in our lives as we seek to orient our lives toward the cross. As we look towards an altered life, we're going to have a chance to begin to consider the preparation that we put in in during this season. The preparation we put into our lives, and especially when we have something big coming up. And so, as we are beginning this season of Lent, we are beginning a new Lenten worship series. It's called Altered Life. And yes, that spelling is very intentional. We're choosing to use the spelling A-L-T-A-R instead of A-L-T-E-R. Because we are trying to orient our lives toward the altar of sacrifice. And as we go through the season of Lent, we're going to take a look at the ways that Jesus himself oriented his life 
towards that altar of sacrifice of the cross. So in so many of the worship spaces all around the world, there is a altar. There's a, a table, and sometimes we may see it and simply think it's a place of utility, that it's something that we could set candles on, maybe even perhaps put a Bible upon. We'll put the communion elements on. And many times when we look at those tables, those places, that thing, we may think that it's really just there to serve the function of holding stuff that we need. But in reality, that altar is a symbol. It's a reminder to us of how in the days prior to Jesus, sacrifice was required. Sacrifice was required for forgiveness of our sins, to make right the ways that we had wronged. And so an animal would be presented to the priest, and the priest would take that animal and place it upon that table, that altar. And there, that sacrifice would take place. Blood would be shed. An animal would lose its life. And ultimately, many times, that, that body would then be burned as an additional offering to God. But when Jesus came, when Jesus laid down his life upon the altar of sacrifice or the cross, Jesus became the final and ultimate sacrifice for us all. And so it's important in our worship spaces that we have that table, that altar, to be reminded of the sacrifice and that we're only in this right relationship with God because of the one that gave up his life for us, the one who laid it down. And so we are talking about the altar and how as we go through the season of Lent, Jesus oriented his life towards the altar, towards the sacrifice. Now, we, all, we know a lot about Jesus, but there's still so much that we really don't know. We understand that Jesus began his life of ministry around the age of 30, and there's not a tremendous amount that we know about him before that. Now, yes, we know that he was born. That's pretty well attested to through the Gospels. We know that eventually that magi came from the east and they worshipped him. We know that shepherds came and adored him. We know that eventually Joseph and Mary had to flee. They had to flee to Egypt because of Herod's command, his order to kill all male children in Bethlehem and the vicinity, the age of two and under. We know that ultimately they returned back to Joseph's hometown of Nazareth. And that's where Jesus spent his childhood and his early years as an adult. We also remember that story of when Jesus was 12 years old and his parents and family, they traveled to Jerusalem for the feast. And they lose track of where Jesus is as he's spending that time there in the temple listening. But also teaching and instructing. That's about all we've got. We really don't know much else about Jesus before this moment today. Before this moment of Scripture where it picks up with his baptism. So every year on the first Sunday of Lent, we look at one of the gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, or Luke, and 
we pick up on the first Sunday of Lent with the story of John the baptism and Jesus' being baptized and then Jesus going into the time of the wilderness. They all give some kind of description about John because we know that he was a unique character and we all have heard those stories and remember them very well. But Mark's gospel doesn't really dwell a whole lot on that. In fact, Mark's gospel, the gospel of Mark is sometimes known as the gospel of immediacy because in Mark's gospel, he does not waste very much time with frivolous details. John gets to the point very, very quickly. And things happen so fast in Mark's gospel. As you read through it, many times you'll see immediately, immediately, suddenly. Things are happening at a rapid pace. And so in Mark's gospel, as we know, as he's in this rush of telling the story, today we pick up with verse 9 in chapter 1. In those days... Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. There in verse 10, where it says, and just as he was coming up out of the water, other translations We'll use what seems to be one of Mark's favorite expressions. Immediately. Again, things are happening so fast. They're so rapid. And if we think about it, Jesus only had three years of a lifetime in ministry before that altar of sacrifice of the cross. And so things have got to happen really quickly. He doesn't have a lot of time to waste. And so immediately after coming up out of the water, hearing the voice of God, you can only imagine that immediately in that moment, Jesus then begins his ministry of healing the sick, feeding the hungry, comforting the afflicted, raising the dead, right? <laughs> immediately. I mean, Jesus knows time is short and it's time to get the work done. It's very, very limited. And so you can imagine, you would think that Jesus jumped into it immediately. You know, that's the way that we approach things so many times. We jump in immediately and begin doing the work, doing the busyness. We may even start exercising before we have fully stretched and warmed up. We may begin to try to put something together without actually reading the instructions. We jump to it because we've got no time to waste. And so we've got to get a move on constant motion. But immediately, immediately after his baptism, that's not what he did. Jesus did not immediately rush off to begin the work of the gospel. Instead, we read verses 12 and 13. And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild beast. And the angels waited on him. <laughs> he was in the wilderness for those 40 days. Now, if Jesus' ministry was really only around three years, 40 days is a significant amount of time. 
When we think about it, that, that, that equates to a little over 3% of his time of active ministry that he spends there in the wilderness. And while that may not seem like a whole lot in the grand scheme of things, when we think about it, it was three years that would change all of history. I would say a little over 3% seems like a very significant amount of time. But I think before he actually began that journey, that journey towards the altar of sacrifice, I think before he began that journey, God knew that Jesus needed this time because God knew the road that was before him. There would be disputes. There would be false accusations. There would be denials. There would be pain. There would be suffering. And before he entered into that journey, I think God knew that Jesus needed this time in the wilderness, this time of preparation. Because journeying towards the altar of sacrifice, it requires some form of preparation. It may not seem like, all the, like it all the time, but sometimes the most important thing that we can do before we undertake a massive undertaking is to just stop, <laughs> to just be, to pray, to be still and know that he is God. You know, it's, I could not have planned this if I had wanted to, but I teach a Sunday school class in between this service and the following service. Well, I say teach, I facilitate, I help lead. Those in the class really do the teaching. It's called the Seekers class, and we have been going through the book of Exodus for the past several months, and we're now in Exodus chapter 20, and for those of you that are well-versed in your scriptures, you know that that means we are in the Ten Commandments. And it just so happens that this morning, at 10 o'clock when we get started, the very first commandment that we're looking at today reads like this. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work. You, your son, your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock, or the alien resident in your town. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, but rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. <laughs> How many times do we just stop? How many times do we just stop and do nothing and observe the Sabbath? <laughs> Who has time for that? A whole day of rest? <laughs> Jesus, Jesus had three years. Three years of active work to change the world. And he started off not by taking just one day, but taking 40. These 40 days of preparation, these 40 days of trial, these 40 days of temptation, these 40 days away in the wilderness. Jesus even said in Mark chapter 2, verse 27, that the Sabbath was made for humankind and not humankind for the Sabbath. And so in this season of Lent, for us, what does it look like 
to try to live an altered life? What does it mean for us to model after Jesus, to follow Jesus' model, and to try to live a life oriented towards sacrifice? I think it begins with us beginning to, to look like what a Sabbath might look like for us. Sometimes, I think a Sabbath for us means practicing silence. You know, silence is such a difficult thing in this world and in our time because we want to fill our lives with noise. I remember many years ago when I was in divinity school taking a worship class and we had a worship lab. And one of the things in that worship lab that we had to do was get up in the chapel in front of our classmates and to lead a time of worship. And one of the things that was most difficult for so many students was we were to enter into a time of silent prayer for one full minute. That sounds like the easiest class assignment you could ever have. For one minute, do nothing. (laughs) But it was the most challenging 60 seconds of our lives. You would say something like, and now... Let us pray. And then you were to wait 60 seconds before you said another word. And as the one that was leading the prayer, all those 60 seconds seemed like an eternity in that silence. But it seemed long even if you were the one sitting out there in the pews. You were sitting there and you would hear your neighbor uh, clear their throat. You would shift in your seat and maybe you might have a joint pop. It would seem to be that every noise in the room was magnified in that silence. It would grow uncomfortable in that silence. But it's in that silence over that time that we begin to feel the waters still. It's in that time of silence that it allows us to be open to hearing the word hearing God's voice, to feeling his presence. That was such a long minute of silence. And for us in this day and time that fill our lives with so much noise, what would it be like for us to have a mini Sabbath here and there? To take a moment to just go into the wilderness and experience silence. Another way that we might be able to observe a Sabbath or that time of wilderness and preparation in our lives is to do away for a period of time with certain things such as our technology. That technology allows us to be available to anyone and everyone at all times. And so many times we allow that to begin to take over our lives so much that we are always plugged in. Jesus going off into the wilderness, not having his disciples come with him, not having his friends come with him. It said that he was there being tempted. He was with the wild beast and the angels attended to him. He did not take his iPhone and Siri. He went off. I think for us, it's important that we find those times that we might be able to unplug for just a moment. and To get away, out, away. From the world, to see, to feel, to hear how God is preparing us for what is coming next. And I think another way that we might be able to experience that wilderness is simply being intentional in our time of prayer. 
anything that we are beginning to undertake, we should begin with a time of prayer. Because it's in prayer that we are sacrificing us. We're laying it down on that altar of sacrifice so that it might be all about Him and not about us. In that time of prayer, we're sacrificing. We're sacrificing the busyness. We're sacrificing the urgent, the important, all of those things because we're saying, first, God, I give this to you. I used to have an opportunity to be a part of a, a youth event. And as we would begin that event, before we ever started anything, we would cover the stage, separating out, spreading out, kneeling in prayer. Not praying necessarily with each other, just praying on our own. Because we knew that if lives were going to be impacted, it would not be by us. We would hide behind the cross and would be impacted by God. That time of intentional prayer. So many times we spend that time in prayer telling God our laundry list of our needs and wants. Maybe instead that time of prayer should be much more about, Lord, not my will, but thine. And so, as we're in this season of preparation, and we see Jesus has gone through this time of preparation. It picks up immediately after this time. And it says that then, after John had been arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. And saying the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent. and Believe in the good news. Folks, when we live a life in the wilderness. When we live a life in preparation. We can be prepared to share this message of hope to a world. A message to, of hope to a world that is so desperately in need. Of recognizing their need for a savior. Today. I invite you to assess the ways in your life that maybe we can be in preparation. To assess the ways in your life that we might be able to orient ourselves along, along the lines of Jesus. Who was fully prepared for that which was ahead. And it all began with that time in the wilderness. May we too stop and join him in the wilderness. Let us pray. Lord God, God of grace and God of mercy, we give thanks for those ways that you call us out of the busyness of life, the ways that you call us into a deeper time with you. And Lord, so many times we resist those moments to just stop be present with you. We resist them because we find ourselves so busy in the chaos of this world. Just as you spoke peace to the storms, Lord, may you speak peace into us. In this time of preparation, may we be intentional to sacrifice. Sacrifice our own wants and wishes and desires. And to orient ourselves Towards you. So Lord, may you guide us and help us find the ways to honor the Sabbath, to be in the wilderness, to hear your voice in the silence. 
We pray this in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit and all of God's people said, Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.